questions? Are we um, we thank you. We discuss the idea of the hechalot, which is the idea of Hashem as He expresses His light into limited concealment chambers, right? Each one expressing a different sephira, a different emotion, and attribute of Hashem. And then we discussed what happens when we do mitzvahs, specifically mitzvahs down here in this physical world. What happens, specifically we discussed what happens when we do surmeira, when we have a challenge in front of us, that's right, only a challenge because we live in this physical world. It wouldn't have been a challenge if we were living up in uh, what's called Asiya Haruchani and up in the spiritual Asiya. Um, but the fact that we live down here, we have certain challenges. And when we don't give in to what we call the Sitra Achar, to the Klippa, right? Um, when we don't give in, the Klippa basically loses its form and disappears. Because as we discussed, Klippa doesn't exist on its own. Klippas, I didn't, I didn't mention this last time, but because um, you can ask why does Klippa not exist on its own? And the reason is because darkness, what makes darkness darkness? The lack of light, right? Darkness doesn't exist on its own. It's just a lack of something. And so, Sitra Akhra, the other side, Klippa, is just a lack of Kadusha. That's what it is. So, it's a lack of Kadusha, so it doesn't really have its own form and its own existence and its own reality, but it has a specific power of what we call persuasion, right? The power of persuasion to convince us that it is real and that it's true and that it's very important. But really, it's just the absence. It's just like darkness. If you just light a candle, right, either by saying... I'm not going to give in to you because I believe in Hashem. I believe that I don't believe that you're fully real. You don't have a hold on me. That already makes it disappear. That's like lighting, shining a light. Um, or in the in the aspect of doing mitzvahs instead, that dispels the darkness as well. Which is why when Adam was, the plan was that Adam was just going to do mitzvahs and the klipa was just going to die out because there was no candle, no light, no energy feeding it, and so it would just cease to exist. And um, that's basically, we said, what's happening spiritually with these heichalot, with this process of Hashem creating the world through shining his light into vessels that conceal, right? What happens when we do surmeira, when we don't give into the klipa and the klipa dies out, layers of concealment that exist on top of the vessels fall away and cease to exist, which enables the light to then shine directly through the vessels become a channel and a conduit for the light as opposed to a concealment and a blockage. And that's what happens when we do Surmeira. That's clear, right? That's what we discussed last time. Now let's discuss Asetov a little bit. When we do good things, when we do mitzvahs, when we do the things Hashem commanded us to do, that's called Asetov. It's action. It's positive. It's actual things that we're putting out into the world. And as we've discussed <laughs> multiple times um, before, I say there are 248 positive commandments, which corresponds to 248 spiritual limbs of Hashem. And the idea is that Hashem exists in his Chochmah, just as we have a brain. Let's start with the Mashal, which will be brought inside, but we'll speak about it outside and then we'll read it inside. We have a brain that contains all of our potential and all of our abilities and all of our intellect. Everything who we are exists in our brain. But... It exists on its own and relates to itself in the brain, right? It's not actually coming outward. But then when we take the levushim, when we take thought, speech, and action, right, which are our levushim, our garments, which are, so to speak, our limbs, we are able to bring those, we bring that potential and the, and the truth of who we are that exists in our brain, because it says uh, in Chastis that the, the neshama comes first to the brain, the whole neshama, everything comes to the brain, and from there it spreads outward all the unique, um, differentiated powers of sight, of smell, of hearing, 
of understanding, etc. They spread out from the potential, of the infinite potential of our soul that exists in the brain. And so that's what our limbs are doing. Our limbs are taking our soul as it exists in potential and as it relates to itself in the brain and bringing it out to it and spreading it into the world, right? That's what happens with our, our limbs and, and our faculties of thought, speech, and action. But we see that very clearly with our limbs. We can take ideas and make them into something that exists tangibly for other people to experience through our limbs. And the same is true for Hashem. Hashem exists when Hashem exists in Chochmah. Hashem as he exists in his own truth is infinite. It contains all of the possible potential of Hashem, right? But it's also relating to itself. It's not coming down here in a way that anybody else can contain. But then through the mitzvahs, which are called the limbs of Hashem, you're taking that truth of Hashem and that condensed, so to speak, light that's got infinite potential and we're drawing it down, we're channeling it in 248 different ways down into the world in a way that it's able to receive it. So when we do mitzvahs, we're connecting to that infinite part of Hashem, to his chokhmah, and creating channels, each mitzvah is a different channel that brings this light down in a way that can be, um, that can be actually experienced down here. So we're bringing more light and awareness and consciousness of Hashem into our own bodies and lives when we do a mitzvah and also into the whole world. And practically what this looks like, again, with the lights coming into the vessels, this allows the light to actually shine fully. So just as we said, the surmeira, staying away from evil, right, all the negative mitzvahs, they take away the concealment so that the vessel can actually channel the light. Doing positive mitzvahs draws down that light in a way that the light is actually able to shine. Because through all of the tzimtzumim that Hashem needed to put in place to allow us to exist, the light isn't shining properly. The light is covered over, it's cut up, so to speak. It's condensed, it's concealed. The light itself as well, not just the vessels. And so what we are doing when we do mitzvahs is we're drawing down the truth of Hashem, His infinity from Chochmah, into the vessels. And because we've already done the Surmeira, the vessels now become conduits and channels for that light. And we're able to actually experience Hashem and have a conscious experience of Hashem down here, in our, again, in our own bodies, and we spread that into the entire world. So, and again, this specifically only happens when we do physical mitzvahs, okay? And once we understand that, we're going to see that inside, and then we're going to go back to the claim of the Meraglim. Why were the Meraglim so afraid to enter Eretz Yisrael? Why did they say it's a land that eats its inhabitants, Eretz that consumes everything that enters? Why did they not trust Hashem to fight the wars and overcome the Canaanim like he promised? So once we understand truly what physical mitzvahs are and what they are achieving and accomplishing, we can understand what the claim of the Meraglim was. Okay, I'm sorry, it's disappointing. Um, the drink, not. <laughs> That's really disappointing. Okay, page 13. So again, until now, we finished off um, in the middle of page 13, instead of concealing Hashem's infinite light. This is referring to the Surmera. This affects that these Kalim and Heichalot should be vessels to receive the revelation of Hashem's infinite light instead of to block it, okay? And then, middle of page 13, through doing the positive things, doing good things, mitzvahs masyas, practical physical mitzvahs, which are called ramach pikudim, ramach evarin demalka, the 248 mitzvahs correspond, it's brought in the Zohar, to the 248 limbs of the king, limbs of Hashem. Excuse me. The Mimer will soon explain that the mitzvahs are compared to limbs since they receive Hashem's infinite light like a limb receives from this life from the soul. 
However, not only are the mitzvahs vessels to receive the light and life force from Hashem, they actually draw down his light into them and through them into the world. So Raksha Mitchila, however, before we can draw down this new powerful light, we first have to do the Sumera, which is subduing the Sitra So before we can actually draw down these lights, we have to make sure that the vessels that are containing them and receiving them are able to do so instead of blocking them. So we clean out the vessel, so to speak, by telling the Sitra Akra, by looking the Kalipa in the face and saying, you don't exist, I don't believe you, I don't believe um, your power of persuasion, I believe in Hashem. When we do that, we chip away at the concealment and then we do positive mitzvahs and we draw this down. And we shouldn't get confused by the statement and say, okay, I'm only going to start doing positive mitzvahs once I've perfected staying away from negative things, right? Um, actually, the Rebbe's perspective is almost the opposite. That first you start by doing good, doing good, doing good, shining light, shining light, and automatically you're going to stop doing the negative things. Um, so the Rebbe's perspective is actually a little bit um, backward from the statement. However, in order for this to fully work, we do need the Sermeya in place because you can shine as much light as you want if the vessels are keep on blocking it, it's not affecting the change we want to see in ourselves and in the world. Page 14 at the top. K'moshe Katuv, as is written in our Pasha, in Pasha Shlach, and in the Shema, in the Vayomer, this is referring to Sumerah, you should not stray after your hearts, and after your eyes. This is a commandment explicitly to follow the 365 prohibitions to not give in to our desires um, and to listen to Hashem when he tells us not to do certain things. And through this process of Hashem's light will be able to truly shine in all of the worlds. This affects a change not only in our world but also in the spiritual worlds because the spiritual worlds are receiving light through vessels that are concealing and light that is limited. So when we truly clean out the vessels and draw down this new light through our mitzvahs, our physical mitzvahs down here in this limited world, we're affecting a change in all of the spiritual worlds because now the light from the Chochmah of Atzillus is shining truly into all of the worlds. And this brings a greater godly consciousness, not only to our world down here, but also to the angels and to the souls up above. That's why it says that the angels are sitting up on high and they are waiting for us down here to do mitzvahs. They're sitting and they're just waiting because they receive the repercussions of that, which is that there is a much more powerful revelation and experience of Hashem's truth. The Az, and when we do that, when we don't stray after our hearts and eyes, when we do this Sermeiran, when we clean out the vessels, then we can truly receive the light which is drawn down through doing positive physical mitzvahs. A revelation of Hashem's infinite light. Lamata down here. Through the 248 mitzvahs. As it says, that the Torah is drawn down and comes from Hashem's Chochmah, the Hamitzvahs, Hemramach, Hamshachot, Mechachmailah. And the Mitzvahs are the 248 channels which we draw down the Chochmah from Hatzilis down into all of the worlds. We do that through the Mitzvahs. And that is why they are called the limbs of the king. The physical Mitzvahs, the positive Mitzvahs are called the limbs of the king. Kimishal Ha'evarim, as an example, our own physical limbs, Shenimshach Batucham which draw through them energy from our brain, which contains within the brain the potential, the potential of the soul. As we see clearly in our own lives, 
שבמוח, that in our brain, מרגיש כאב של כל האיברים. Feels the pain. מוח is brain. Our brain feels the pain of all of our limbs, right? You could stub your toe. And what happens when we take a, what's it, like a painkiller? We're not actually healing the pain in our toe. We're cutting off the signal between our toe and our brain. Our brain feels the pain of everything in the body because our brain is what gives life and energy to every single part of our body. So, we see the same thing with mitzvahs. When we do the mitzvahs, these are the limbs that draw down Hashem's infinity. From the brain of Hashem, so to speak. From Hashem's chokhmeh natsilut. We draw it down from the concealed worlds to the revealed worlds. So we take a light that has never truly been revealed before because it was too powerful. It was not able to be contained. The vessels were too um, covered up to be able to contain them. We clean out the vessels and we draw down this very powerful infinite light into this world and into all of the worlds. So now that the Altarab explained how mitzvahs bring Hashem's light into this world, he will go back to explain why it is that specifically in Eretz Yisrael, we are able to fulfill all the mitzvahs and why the land is called flowing with milk and honey. So now we're going to answer your first three questions of the mind. <coughs> Excuse me. Are we clear so far? What happens when we do mitzvahs? What happens when we don't do Averis? It's pretty powerful stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So now we're going to discuss why is Eretz Yisrael called a land flowing with milk and honey? <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, guys. <coughs> It's a lot better, but I guess when I talk, it, yeah, it all yeah. comes up. Um, okay, so obviously we're going to be explaining this on a very spiritual level. Okay, why is it called the land of flowing with milk and honey? On a physical level, as Rashi explains, because the honey is considered date syrup, what we call silan. The dates are so juicy and gigantic here in Israel that they actually the honey flows down from the trees, from the dates, and at the same time the goats. It's actually Rashi explains that it's goat milk, not cow milk. The goats here are so healthy and full of milk that the milk just naturally flows out of them and it comes down and it flows as they're on the hills you know the the dates the date palms and the goats their milk and honey flow down together and flow down into the land and that's the physical idea of a land flowing with milk and honey that it's so plentiful um physically then we can ask the question okay but like what's such a big deal okay so there's milk and there's honey you know great so we you know we'd rather have like Ukraine, have a lot of wheat, you know, make, <laughs> makes us more of like a, 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 a country that people want, you know, some, maybe some, some wheat, maybe some natural gas, we do have natural gas though, apparently, um, but you know, maybe some oil, that would make us um, a little bit more prominent on the globe, but milk and honey, you know, great, but what's the significance, okay, so we're going to be discussing spiritually, what, what is the idea here, why is this the praise of the land, so let's see this idea, inside now, we're going very spiritual, okay, what is spiritual milk represent or does spiritual honey represent so what does Eretz Yisrael represent and why are this physical mitzvah specifically done there so the chalav udvash milk and honey page 15 in the middle heim bechinat train the roi and these are considered the two arms of Hashem what are the two arms of Hashem have you heard of Hashem's right hand and his left hand mm-hmm. that's the idea of chesed and gavura right Hashem's kindness and Hashem's severity yemina osmala obeinayu the right arm and the left arm and the bride comes between them, which is the idea of Malchus, which draws down from both the Chesed and the Gevorah. Oh, this is from the Sader, the Sudas, I think? No, from the Azamar Bishvachim, 
which is the Arizal composed, the song that we sing on Shabbos. Oh, that's we it. say, yeah. that there's the right hand of Hashem, there's the chesed, there's the left hand of Hashem, which is the gevurah, and between them comes the bride. That is malchus. Malchus draws down from both. So it says the chesed and gevurah of Hashem's attributes in Atzilus, which are known as Zeir Anpin, which we discussed, I think, in last moment we discussed it briefly, Zeir Anpin, it's the emotional attributes of Hashem in Atzilus, are what give the bride, malchus, the ability to ascend back to Atzilus on Shabbos, following its descent into the created worlds during the week. So that's what it's talking about in the song, okay, of the Arizal that we sing on Shabbos. We see that Hashem's attributes of kindness and severity are referred to as the right and the left arms. Okay, so that's what's important to know, that Hashem's kindness and severity are referred to as his right and left arms. As is written, that Hashem holds the world in place with his, um, with his arms, with his, what's this called? Arms, right? Zrot, um, arms. Okay. I feel like there's another word for it, but I'm okay. Um, and and actually, this is discussed in today's Tanya as well. Um, I'm pretty sure it's today's Tanya, if I'm not mistaken. That it's talking about in the Shariah of Emana that it's speaking about the fact that Hashem originally created the world with din with gavura, but then he saw that it was too much concealment and the world wouldn't be able to ever reach a godly consciousness, which is the whole point. And so he injected chesed into the world, kindness. Um, but the two ways that Hashem brings the world into being is through chesed and, and gavura, through kindness and severity. What does that practically look like? Chesed is the light, and the severity is the blocking, so to speak, of that light. That's how it's spoken about in the Tanya of today. But actually, we're going to see here that there are two different ways of giving. The chesed is one way of giving Hashem's energy to the world, and the gavura is another way of giving Hashem's energy to the world. One is a way of his pashtut, of just free love, so to speak, of giving freely, which is chesed, and gavura is giving it in a more calculated way. Okay, but they're both two aspects of giving. Um, should we read this? Yes, yeah, so, so here we have an explanation a little bit about why milk and honey are referred to as chesed and gavura. So the altar just jumps into it, and it says, milk and honey represents Hashem's chesed and gavura, which he uses to create the worlds from Atzillus, okay? Which he uses to, to, to flow his life force into the world. The Mitzvah, we're going to have an explanation from him about why milk represents chesed and why honey represents gavura, two different types of giving. Okay, so let's read this inside. The Mitzvah explains the idea of milk and honey in terms of kindness and severity, okay? And it's from one of his maimarim. Milk and honey are two types of sweetness, a kind sweetness and a severe sweetness. So a sweetness of chesed and a sweetness of gavura. Milk is produced from a mother and given directly to her child. So that's chesed, it's direct giving from a very close way. And honey is extracted from flowers and processed at a distance from the flowers by the bees. Similar to how the father gives kindness to his children from a more distant place. Which is interesting because actually in chesedus in most places it explains the yeah. father represents chesed, and the mother represents gevura. Oh, really? Um, yes, yes, which is also very interesting. And they actually say there that the mother, I wonder if it matches up here. I think it might match up even with what the minister was saying here, but in most places in chesedus it explains that the mother, because she's actually so close to her child um, and so involved and so directly affected by the actions of the child, she actually ends up acting more in a way of gavura. She can be more severe and harsh with her child, as opposed to a father who, because he's distant, he's not as affected, he's able to act more in, in a way more of kindness. Um, 
and it's actually something I've seen actually um, we I get a lot more affected and frazzled than like upset by actions of my kids than my husband because he's coming from a much more like distant place and then he's able to act in a kinder way um, but let's see if this, if this matches up here because it is saying that Chochmah is the father and Chochmah represents Chesed Bina is the mother Bina represents Gvorah so I do think it matches up here as well um, so milk is produced from a mother given directly to a child honey is extracted from flowers processed at a distance from the flowers by the bees, similar to how the father gives kindness to his children more distantly. So both are giving mm -hmm. kindness. Kabbalistically, these represent two types of flows of kindness from Hashem. Milk is the flow of life and kindness from Bina. Okay, yeah. The mother to her children and attributes of Atsilas. So there are two ways that Hashem's energy and light flows into the world. Through Chochmah and through Bina, through Chesed and through Gevura. The woman is called Bina, right? It says that a woman has Bina Yaseira, has an additional aspect and energy and dose of Bina. And that actually represents Gavura. You see Bina's on the side of Gavura. Mm -hmm. And the father is Chochmah. Honey is the flow of life and kindness from Chochmah, the father of the attributes of Asilis, or from the Chesed. So it does actually match up here. So just as the main function of a mother is to nurture, the milk she gives is simple kindness, which is why milk is white, showing kind sweetness. The function of a father is also to discipline and be strict. However, when he wants to be kind, he will go to extreme lengths and overcome obstacles to get that kindness showing severe kindness, meaning a more intense version of kindness. Because honey is more intense kindness, it can only be eaten in small quantities, unlike milk that the baby drinks all the time. These two types of sweetness, the kind version and the intense version, are revealed from Hashem through the corresponding mitzvahs involve an action or refraining from sin. So one way the light flows is through doing positive mitzvahs, which is the chesed. And one way of bringing light into the world is from refraining from negative mitzvahs, which is the more intense sweetness, which is the Gevura. Through the action mitzvahs, we draw down the kind sweetness, referred to as milk, and through refraining from sin, we draw down the intense kindness represented by honey. And so the chesed and Gevura, the chokhmah and bina are the two flows of energy that Hashem uses to shine his light into the world. And so when we speak about a land flowing with milk and honey, we're gonna see that this is the land, this is the place physically, because of its spiritual representation, where the most light of Hashem flows. And we know that how does Hashem's light flow into the world? Through physical action, through the physical mitzvahs and from refraining from physical avarice. And so because we have this, this tremendous amount of light coming into Eretz Yisrael, as we're going to see, we have so many physical mitzvahs um, and therefore so many things we have to also refrain from doing, specifically in the land of Israel, because that's where the most energy is flowing down, as we're going to see inside. But do we understand a little bit about milk and honey? Milk yes. represents the chesed, the chokhmah, and honey represents the bina, the gavura. Two different ways that Hashem's energy flows into this world, okay? And flows specifically into malchus, okay? Because we're speaking about the attributes of Atsilas. It's the way Hashem's chesed and his gavura flows down and is received by malchus of Atsilas and then is given over into the created worlds, okay? Into Briyasir and Asiya. So, the milk and honey represents a drawing down of Hashem's energy from the world of Atsilas, al yadei mitzvot masiyot, through physical mitzvahs, ramach evarim demalka, the 248 limbs of the king. So, milk and honey represents the spiritual process of drawing down Hashem's light into the world. Okay? The Eretz Yisrael Mekuvenet Keneged Eretz Yisrael Sholomala. And the physical Eretz Yisrael is corresponding to the spiritual Eretz Yisrael. Have you guys ever heard of this idea of Eretz Yisrael Sholomala? 
there is an Eretz Yisrael that exists above in Malchus, Malchus of Atzilus. There is a Knesset Yisrael that exists above in Malchus of Atzilus, which is, I think we've discussed Knesset Yisrael when we, we learned about Hanukkah. Yeah. Uh, we learned about that the spiritual, the Jewish people are represented spiritually as a whole in Malchus of Atzilus, are called Knesset Yisrael. There's also a spiritual base Mikdash, which is represented in Malchus. There's a spiritual Yerushalayim. Yep. At the, the holy places that are represented down here are, are holy because up above they represent something significant. So we are the holy people down here because up above we represent something. We represent Knesset Israel up above. And the land of Israel is corresponding <coughs> excuse me, to the spiritual land of Israel above, which is, which is referring to Malchus of Atzilus, which receives the energy from Chochmah and from Bina from Chesed and from Gevur, or receives Hashem's energy, it contains it, and from there it spreads out into the rest of the world. We see that very clearly with the Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash was the place that the Shekhinah rested in this physical world. Hashem's entire presence rested in the Beis HaMikdash, and from there it spread to the rest of the world, which we see with the idea of the menorah, right? That usually when you have a room, you build it in a way that the sunlight can come in. You build your windows, right, in a way that the sunlight can shine into the room. But the way that the b- windows of the Beit HaMikdash were built were that way, right, were so that the light from inside should shine out. Because what was the Beit HaMikdash? It was the hub of energy and light and revelation of Hashem. And from there, it spread to the entire world. And there's something that something of that nature as well within the land of Eretz Yisrael as well. The energy, all of the energy, gets directed towards the land of Eretz Yisrael, all of the spiritual energy and presence of Hashem, and from there flows to the rest of the world. Mm. Same thing with the Jewish people. That's why we're all Malchus. Malchus is a receiver, right? It's a container. The Jewish people receive all of the light and revelation of Hashem, and their job is to spread that also to the rest of the world. So that's the idea that there's the Beis HaMikdash above, and there's the land of Israel above, and there's the Jewish people above. And they're all represented by Malchus, because all of these aspects receive from the chesed and gvor of Hashem, they receive from the light, they receive from the flow of energy, and from that receiving, they then spread it to the rest of the world. So the physical land of Israel is represented by the spiritual land of Israel above that exists within Malchus of Atzilus, which receives the most energy from Hashem's chokhmah and bina from Hashem's chesed and gvor. ikar ha-mitzvot, Israel, now we're asking and answering the next question. We answered why they call the land flowing with milk and honey. Because milk and honey represents the process of Hashem's chesed and gvura, Hashem's infinite lights shining down into the world. Why are the physical mitzvahs done specifically in the land of Israel? Because as we discussed previously, how do we truly draw down this light, this infinite light of Hashem into the world? Through abstaining from doing a virus, right? By cleaning out the vessels and through practically doing positive mitzvahs, through drawing down this light. So why are there most of the physical positive mitzvahs done in the land of Israel? Because this is the place where we draw down the light. Also spiritually, Malchus gets all of the light from Chesed and Gevurah, drawn into it, and then spreads it out into the, into the next world. Land of Israel, through us doing mitzvahs, receives the most amount, and specifically through us doing the most amount of mitzvahs that we do in the land of Israel, draws down this tremendous light into Israel and then spreads it forth into the entire world. So the accomplishment of mitzvahs is to draw down Hashem's light into Malchus of Atzilus, the source of all Jewish souls, and through that, into us and into the world. Because this happens most powerfully in Eretz Yisrael, this is why the main fulfillment of mitzvahs 
is in Eretz Yisrael. Okay? Which is why the Rebbe clearly says, when people ask him, should I make Aliyah? Sometimes Rebbe said you shouldn't, sometimes Rebbe said you should. There wasn't a blanket rule by the Rebbe about like everyone should go to Israel. Um, it depends on what your shlichot was. But those who were moving, the Rebbe said you must know that there is a higher um, expectation of you spiritually when you're in the land of Israel. Because once we're in the land, we're a holy nation in a holy land, and we're drawing down tremendous lights that impact the entire world. Um, what's expected of us is different. And we actually see that practically, that the communities, the same communities that say Chabad or different... Um, or Litvish, or Hasidic, different communities, as they exist in Israel and as they exist outside, they're much more stringent in Israel, something that you might have noticed. Same community, we're Litvish, they're Litvish, we're Chabad, they're Chabad, but the same communities are much more stringent here. There's a higher level of expectation set on those who live in the land of Israel, which is why it's very hard for people coming from outside, inside to integrate and not to feel like outside is right a little bit. Um, but this is the reason why, because there is a responsibility. There's a responsibility on every single Jew, right? Because we represent the Knesset Yisrael. We're receiving the energy and it's on us to integrate it, to truly be able to clean ourselves out to receive it and then to spread it out into the world. But there is an additional responsibility on the Jewish people living in the land of Israel because we're truly drawing down these lights and it's impacting the whole world. Yeah. Does this also mean though that when a person like sins that it also has a greater impact in Eretz Yisrael? You could say so. Here it's speaking about specifically the, the like, we have more positive mitzvahs, right? Yeah. All the agricultural mitzvahs, etc. Yeah. But there, that means that there are more opportunities to not listen to the more The more yeah. things, positive things you have to do, the more things you need to refrain from, right? <laughs> refrain from not doing the positive thing. Um, so probably as well, because again, everything that happens here directs the flow into the spiritual Eretz Yisrael, which directs the flow yeah. into the entire world. So, so our actions here actually almost matter more, okay? Almost, in, in a way we can say. It has a greater impact on, on the world at large. And so it's an added responsibility. And so that answers the second question. We answer the first question. What does milk and honey represent? Why is it called the land flowing with milk and honey? Because Hashem's milk and honey, spiritual milk and honey, his chesed and gevurah flow specifically here, specifically into the Beit HaMikdash, specifically into the land of Israel, and it flows from there to the rest of the world. As is happening spiritually, Hashem's chesed and gevurah flows into Malchus of Atzeres, and from there, Hashem's energy gets channeled and spread to all of the spiritual worlds. And that's why it's called the land flowing with milk and honey. Why of most of the mitzvahs done, why we have a majority of practical physical mitzvahs done in the land of Israel, all the agricultural mitzvahs, all the korbanot, etc., the reason is because that's the way that we draw down the milk and honey. That's the way that we draw down the chesed and gevura through doing these physical mitzvahs, which correspond to the 248 limbs of the king. That's the channels through which we draw Hashem's infinite light down into the world. And because it's mainly drawn down into the land of Israel, we have additional mitzvahs to draw down this light specifically into the land. So we answer the first two questions. And now we're going to answer the third question, which we're actually going to answer um, mainly tomorrow, but we'll start talking about it today because we only have two more minutes. But are we clear so far? Are the two first two questions answered? Yeah? Mm. Okay. And again, we're getting very spiritual with our answers, okay? But they have very practical, um, what's the word? Totsawat, how do you say? Results. Pardon? They have very practical, um, not manifestations, implications. but implications, thank you. Practical implications for us as Jewish people living in the land of Israel. Um, there, is, there is a higher expectation put on us. And that is because there is a higher responsibility and that is literally where, um, 
that's where, where Hashem's light spread. So it says that when the base the Hamikdash was the brain of the world, right? Just like the brain of the body, that's where all of the soul's power is and it spreads out. The base Hamikdash, all of Hashem's revelation was there. The Shekhinah was there and from there it spread out. And it says that when the base Hamikdash was destroyed, that that went into the Dalet Amot of Halakha. Just a side point, because we don't have a base Hamikdash today. Where does Hashem's Shekhinah come down and then spread forth throughout, through the world? in the limitations of halacha. So when we learn Torah and keep halacha, we are creating, we are literally becoming vessels for this light and then spreading it forth into the world. We're making our own personal base of mikdash. Um, okay, so the third question was, why did the Moraglim oppose so greatly entering the land of Israel? And the argument here, it's going to ask almost a different question. The question that's asked most often is why did the Miraglim not trust that Hashem could conquer the Canaanim? They didn't trust Hashem's strength, right? We're, that's almost not the question here because the answer, that, the, the question that's very commonly asked, why did the Miraglim not trust Hashem's strength? So they, they didn't have enough bitachon. They thought Hashem was weak, right? That's really clearly what it looks like, right? These people, they're so big, they're so strong, Hashem can't even fight them. But the question of the mimer, the answer is going to almost like dispel the question because the answer is going to say that their argument was actually a spiritual one. They weren't asking, they weren't saying Hashem isn't strong enough to fight them. They were saying that the world isn't strong enough to handle the implications of the Jewish people entering the land of Israel. And so we'll continue with that discussion tomorrow so we can really understand what next week Pasha Shlach is really all about. Okay, any questions or comments? Um, is there still a spiritual base today? Yes. Every single world has a spiritual base amikdash, which is basically the hub of energy where Hashem's Shekhinah rests in that world. So every world has a, has a base amikdash. Um, and so our world, there's the, there's the place where the base amikdash stood, which has a certain holiness. But it's, the idea in our world is that now it exists within the Dalet Amot of Halakha within the constraints and limitations of keeping halakha, that's where Hashem's presence rests. But every single world, it says, has a spiritual base mikdash of that world. So the base mikdash of the world of Atzilot is in Malchot of Atzilot. Base mikdash of the world of Bria exists in Malchot of Bria. It's where the Shekhinah, Hashem's almost revealed presence, rests in each world. And from there spreads, basically, kind of to the next, to the next world. Um, it's also called, I think, the brain, the brain of each world, something like that. Okay. Thank you. See you guys Thank tomorrow. You. Have a great start to the week. I don't know who sends them on, but.